This is episode number 79 of The Homeowner Show. Whether you're DIY or looking to hire, we're here to help you find the best information and options for you and your home. My name is Kevin Hackett, and here with me is Craig Williams. Hello, 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 and welcome to The Homeowner Show. We're glad that you could join us for the homeowner's bonanza. <laughs> I thought you were going to say banana. Banana. <laughs> That is that is my four year old's new favorite word right now. Oh, good. Yeah. Have you have you read that uh, the book with no pictures? No, dude. You got to You got to get in the into the culture, man. DJ Novak wrote this is book. It, it is incredible. Oh, okay. Is it is it just like a a a, a book with white pages? Like kind like, of. And is I mean that's what I typically call like a novel. Okay, so like, look, everyone needs to like go to YouTube and find. There's actually a video of BJ. No, if if you guys don't know who BJ Novak is, BJ Novak was um, oh, what's his face on The Office? He was Michael's favorite guy on the uh, Ryan. He was Ryan. Ryan on The Office, um, and so he wrote this book called The Book with No Pictures. And there's a video of him reading it to a group of children. It's hilarious. Okay, it's one of my favorite books of all time mm. now, and because it only takes me like five minutes to read it. So, oh. Yeah. Well, and, and that's something that you actually know how to read, probably. And the, and the word bananas in the book, which is why. <laughs> that's how we got here okay. in the conversation. All right. <laughs> got it. So, speaking of my kids, man. So, like, and, and we both have kids. Yes. And, like, there are moments when I believe that my children are brilliant. Moments. And then there are other moments. Yes that I don't believe that. And it's the opposite of that. Yes. And I had one of those moments this week. Which one? My middle, my middle child. I'm not going to, I'm not going to name them. Oh, I I just meant which moment, which moment. Okay. (laughs) So this, this is my son. And like, I have to say it's my son because my girls would never do this. Mm. In fact, my younger one was actually egging him on in this. Um, anyway, I was in the, again, my house is weird. So the kitchen's on the second and a half floor and my son's bedroom's on the third floor and I can see into his bedroom from the kitchen. Sure. That, that makes sense. Well, it does to me because I've seen your house. Because you've seen my house. Right. But for those of you listening, just try and follow along. <laughs> I can see into my son's bedroom from the kitchen. That's all you really need to know. And from where, from the angle I was standing, and I, I actually haven't told you this story before because I wanted to get your reaction on the show. <laughs> okay. And and also Haley Haley Thayer is on the show today, and Haley, I, I wanted to get your reaction to this story because I, I I'm just in, I'm dripping with anticipation to tell you guys this story. It was it was the craziest <laughs> thing. So I'm making dinner, and my two kids and my nephew are up in the loft in my son's bedroom playing Legos. No big deal. All of a sudden, I hear my son screaming. Okay. Help, 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 help. All right. And I look up into his room and I see him and he's lying on the floor. And I'm like, what's going on? And my nephew yells down to me. He goes, Gatchel's stuck. Okay. And I said, okay, well, can you help him? He goes, no. (laughs) I said, all right, I'll be right there. So I go down the stairs, go around the corner and go up the stairs to get into the bedroom. And as I come up the stairs, I see my son and... From the kitchen, it looked like he was lying on the floor. Right. He wasn't lying on the floor. He was in the floor. Oh. What? Oh. Up to his torso. Oh, no. No. Stuck in the floor. Oh, no. And he's got one arm up in the air and the other arm's down 
and he's just wedged in the floor. Uh. <laughs> and I've put, I've now realized that what had happened is he pulled the air conditioning vent off the floor uh. and decided to see if he could fit. Uh, and, he and he almost st- stuck. He almost made it. He almost can. He almost can. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and he, he turned around and looked at me. He goes, I'm stuck. And I said, you think? <laughs> so I grabbed him and I pulled him out. <laughs> and then I examined him to make sure that like all of him was still there. Yeah. And it was. Oh man. And it was one of those moments where like, you're so happy he's okay, but I want to kill you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So so now I know which moment it was. It was the not brilliant moment. It was the not brilliant moment. <laughs> I'm having flashbacks to baby Jessica. You remember baby Jessica in the well? Yes. Oh, I'm having flashbacks. <laughs> so here's what happened. There's air conditioning vents on the floor in his room. They were playing Legos. Okay. Some Legos went down the vent. Ah, uh, as they oh. do. So rather than ask for help, mm-hmm. he goes, aha, I can get them myself. With my toes. With my toes. Oh, no. <laughs> so the saving grace was that had he actually gotten through, he'd have gone all the way through to the second floor. Oh, oh man. So, so he would have he actually wound up like in your bed. Well, no, he would have ended up in the the sitting room or whatever. Uh, okay, so on the couch. He would end oh, up on the couch. On, on the on the okay, I got yeah. you. My house is weird, y'all. It's hard to describe where places there, are. There's like 14 <laughs> different levels to your house, and and none of them are like regular levels. They're half and third levels. So, I, and I, I'm actually genuinely concerned that like Jay Hugh and JoJo are listening to this show right now, going. That kid could have destroyed that ductwork I put in that guy's house. <laughs> That's what they're most concerned about. That's right. Wow. So shout out to uh, Affordable over there. The the, the ductwork held up. Yeah. So th- they obviously strap their stuff together well. Very well. Yeah. They can withstand a seven-year-old. Oh, man. Wow. All I can think about is Christmas vacation right now. When Clark <laughs> falls through the ceiling or the, the attic. Oh. <laughs> so he's still alive, by the way. But, but but only because you decided not to kill him. Or just leave mm-hmm. him there. Oh, that would have been fun. <laughs> that might have been the better lesson is you get yourself out of there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I have a I have a feeling mom wouldn't have appreciated that. Well he'd have had a good two hours to figure it out at least. Wow. That that might have been that might have been enough. It might have been. Yeah. Who knows? So anyway, thank you guys so much for being joining us on the show today we've got a really cool episode we've got you know fan favorite Haley thayer she's not in the studio she's you know skulking around in the pacific northwest yes is it raining there right now <laughs> no guys the sun came out it's incredible okay. all right so wow. but anyway we, we've got a really cool show last uh last time we did a uh an interview with Haley. one of the things that kept coming up were all the acronyms man and it seems like there's a bunch Yes. You know? And, well, it's mostly because we don't know any of them. Oh, no. I don't. Yeah. I mean, just. I mean, I hear, I hear people talking about these things, 
And my mind is like, oh, yeah, like the AARP, you know, that thing, you know. <laughs> That's like, what I feel like when people use acronyms around Right. Me. I feel I, like I should be in the AARP. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, and, and, and the problem is the, the problem is that people, they throw these acronyms out as if you know exactly what they're talking about. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like you are, uh-huh. you are fully immersed in, in their <laughs> world. And the reality of it is few people actually live in that world, or at least at least people that (laughs) I know don't live in that world. This is when most people just learn to nod and act like they know what's going on. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it's it's the best form of just kind of making your way through a conversation. At the end, people walk away and you go, I have no idea what just happened. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we we have we have worked with Haley here and and by we we mean mostly her um, to <laughs> compile a list of the uh, the most used acronyms in 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 real estate transactions. Yeah. Um, and is is that is that is that fair, Haley? Is that accurate? Yes. Okay. Yes. So I, I figured what we can do is we can uh, Kevin, Kevin and I can take turns. We're gonna we're gonna throw some acronyms at you, and and then we're just gonna turn you loose on the uh, the the potosphere. The what? <laughs> yeah. Is that is the, that the podosphere? Podosphere. Podosphere. Yeah. Okay. Vow, vowels count. Uh, I, Kevin, when, when you said that, I was thinking like P O T. Oh, a sphere like the potty sphere. No, I, I had a, more like, you know, like a plant in my mind. Potted. But no, no, like pot. You know what pot is? No, it's, we don't live in the Pacific Northwest like Haley. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I know what it is. <laughs> you go down to the corner store. That's right. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Oh, I, I have to tell you a funny story before we get into based on that. So I was in Colorado. Okay. Famously. Right. Um, so I was in Colorado. And I had a bunch of, of teenagers with me. Okay, that was that took a left turn. I didn't know. I didn't think you were going that way. Yeah, I know. A bunch of I had a, teenagers. I had a, I had a bunch okay. of teenagers <laughs> with me, and we were uh, we were gonna go hike up a mountain. Okay. Okay. And uh, we stopped. One one of the teenagers was like, "I gotta go to the bathroom." Mm-hmm. Like, of course you do. So we stopped off at this little place. It's this Nowheresville, um, right on the Arkansas River, and uh, when we walk in. And it's like this. It's the most amazing place ever. It's mm. a convenience store. It's a gas station. It's a hardware store. It is a fishing, like, tackle store. Right. It is a grocery store. Okay. It is all of these things in one. And so we're just kind of mulling around because it's like the most amazing place we've ever seen because it's all of about 400 square feet. Okay. It's, <laughs> it's small. Lim- limited inventory. Exactly. Um, but they had all the essentials, right? And so this this little old lady walks out from behind the counter and she walks up to me and she says, we have brownies. No. And I said, I said, oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I said, oh, okay. And she goes, they're homemade. (laughs) And, and, and I'm my, my actual voice right now, imagine what she looked like. As she was saying this, right, and and um, I said, I, I I think we're good. I don't think we need any brownies on this this trip. And she goes, okay, just let me know. <laughs> and that was and the then did she and then, back into and the then dark it, corner? Exactly. And then she like rather than turning around and walking back around the corner, she like starts backing up slowly and like moving herself around the corner. 
been even creepier if she'd been like on a hoverboard. <laughs> it, it was plenty creepy as it was. Uh, but anyway, that's the potosphere that I was thinking about. Whenever, like that story. You immediately went to Colorado. Gotcha. That's exactly right. Anyway, I don't, that's, know what, I don't know what to call the podscape landscape. Um, that, that's it right there. The the. the Pod- Podscape landscape. <laughs> yes. Yeah, on the home showner. Uh, home showner. The home oh, showner? The home showner. <laughs> the homeowner's show. That's exactly what it is. The podcast landscape. Uh, All right, right, Haley, please rescue, rescue us. You. <laughs> please. <laughs> Let Wait, somebody else I talk. I love these stories. They just should keep going. Real quick. <laughs> um, just like I, when I, so I did a trip one time and, uh, I, I discovered why weed is called weed. Okay. It actually is a weed in Hungary. Oh, like it grows everywhere. Okay. Like mm. I was helping this guy clean his yard and we're like, you know, trimming mm-hmm. the hedges. Yeah. And, you know, and we're, and we, I didn't know what it looked like. I was like 18 years old. Yeah. And I'm like picking it up and throwing it in the fire and he goes, huh. Burning the uh, the cannabis there. What? And I was like, "What are you talking about?" And he's like, "Yeah, that's the." It was like all over his yard, everywhere. Okay. And I was like, and "I was like, what are you? What's wrong with you guys?" And he's like, "It's legal here. What? It's like it's a weed. It just you can't stop it." Oh, and interesting. So like in, in Budapest, it's like it's just everywhere. Wow. So I don't know why, but apparently that's that's the place. Hmm. I would I would prefer that over dollar weed, which is what I got all over my yard. Yeah, something useful. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> all right. Okay. Do, do we do we have an acronym to segue? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Here's the deal. IDK. <laughs> IDK. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Okay, Haley. So let, let's let's kind of kick things off here. Some of our listeners on today's show may possibly not know who you are. Um, Whoa. I know it's a little crazy to think about. So tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, and let's get into this. Of course. Well, it's kind of rude if you don't know me, but hi, guys. I'm uh, <laughs> just ostracize all the newcomers right off the yeah, bat. Yeah. Right. Well, this sucks. Yeah. I, uh, hey, guys, I'm Haley Thayer. I'm a personal mortgage consultant. And what I do is I open doors every day for people who are looking to own a home, but don't think that they can. So I specialize in educating, especially first time home buyers, but also move up buyers and people who want to invest in real estate. And I'm out of Seattle and the PNW. So that's why I'm not in Texas hanging out with these cool guys. (laughs) She's all with the, she's full of the acronyms today. She's got it. Rapid fire. Here yeah. we go. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm prepared. Not, not everybody can live in the TX <laughs> and be awesome like us. <laughs> All right. Well, so um, what What I understand it is last time whenever we talked to you, and, and of course, what, it was, what's this wee business? Craig talked to you. I, right. I was talking to you in my brain, uh, listening to the podcast going, I probably would have interjected there. Uh, but anyway, I wasn't, I wasn't on the episode that, that we interviewed you and then you filled in for me multiple times, which is, I I know everybody likes you better than me. It's fine. Whatever. (laughs) Um, but, uh, let's just start talking through some of these acronyms. Um, because when, when people go to, to buy a home, um, they're looking, they're looking at their mortgage, um, person, they're looking at their realtor and they start throwing out these acronyms. Um, kind of walk us through some of these. Yeah, of course. So, so it, a lot of acronyms come up really early on and it gets 
because we have so many different names for so many different things, we think that it's easier. But of course, for the average person who's never done this or does it once every seven to 10 years, they're like, okay, can you just speak plain, plain English, please? This is ridiculous. So uh, one of the biggest things, though, that um, comes up really early on is the debt to income ratio and that's DTI. And you'll see that on everything from emails from mortgage professionals to, uh, to advertisements, um, anything like that. Um, and I would say that that's the most important one. If you get anything out of this podcast, this is the one that you should know because this will actually help you on your own figure out how much you can afford. Mm. So, let me just give you the definition of it and then I'll explain it in numbers terms. So the debt to income ratio or DTI is the percentage of your monthly income that goes towards your monthly debt payments. So what that means is this is what we do on a day-to-day basis whenever someone calls us up. So they're like, Hey, I want to get a mortgage, but I'm not sure if I can afford it. So what we do is we talk to them about their income, their assets, their liabilities. So anything from um, credit card loan debt to car loans or anything like that. Um, And then we talk to them about their credit as well. And what we do is we take those numbers. So we take everything as a monthly thing. So if you make a hundred grand a year, we'll take your monthly salary. And then what we do is we take what your, so another acronym in this is PITI, and I'll get to that right after this. Um, but the, we take the full, um, payment that you would have on a mortgage, uh, and, and then we add that up with your current debts that you pay off monthly. So like I said, car loans, student loans, uh, credit card debt, Mm-hmm. We add those up and then we divide that by your monthly income. And the percentage that we're looking to get out of that is 43% or below. And that means, let's say that you want to buy a 500 grand home. You want to put a hundred grand down on it. We have that number all set, ready to go, what that monthly mortgage payment would be for you, plus all your debts. And we can say, hey, you can afford this or you're a little bit higher than 43%. So do you have a co-borrower? Do you have someone that could give you a little bit more money for the down payment? Anything like that. So we can kind of be creative in our conversation. Right. It's just, it, it, you're, at that point, you're looking, you're going to be looking for more options. Exactly. Yes. And so we have to go a little bit lower on price point or get a higher down payment, whatever that looks like, or maybe pay off debts earlier than getting a mortgage. Right. So that is something that everyone can take away and know, okay, this is kind of what I'm comfortable with paying every month on a mortgage payment. These are my current debts. And then divide that by your monthly income and you can see, hey, this is actually doable for me. Yeah. And I imagine because everything's going kind of into the, the financial crock pot there that it's, it's, it's really important to be as transparent as possible with your financial situation, because I would imagine some people might feel the need to like withhold some information in order to try and make their numbers look a little better. Of course. Yeah. And I get that hesitation. I mean, 
you're talking to someone, most likely a mortgage professional is going to contact you right away over email or, or a phone call. And that is something you are literally explaining your entire financial history to them. And people either forget stuff or they're just kind of a little bit nervous and they feel maybe embarrassed. Right. But the wonderful thing is just starting that conversation and you're more than likely better off than what you know. And it's just all about that education. Yeah. Well, I think I think part of what makes that difficult is that a lot of people look at their life and go, oh, my goodness, like I'm living paycheck to paycheck or I'm, yeah. I'm you know, I'm living beyond my means. Actually, there's no way yeah. that I can possibly buy a house. And yet there's probably something somewhere that goes, OK, your your debt to income still less than 43 percent. You're just not budgeting very well. Right. Exactly. Yes. And we run into that really uh, really often, actually. Uh, and what we do is we can also educate someone, okay, you might be a little bit, you might be at 44% or 45%. Here's what you need to do to be able to get to that price point. And we have financial planners that we've teamed up with as well that can outline for you what this looks like. And it's all for free. It's all just a conversation um, and getting that started. And if you are going over your monthly budget, that's okay. Most of us have done that in the past or are doing it currently, but how, how can you offset that and where can you cut some things out of your life uh, that would benefit you in the future? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. All right, so you mentioned one in there that you said we were going to come back to. Is it PITI? Yes, yes. So that's another one that comes up really soon right after the debt to income. I obviously said it right right away. (laughs) (laughs) So didn't really leave any time for that. So the PITI um, is your full monthly mortgage payment. So what you would see on a loan estimate um, or if you are on... Uh, Redfin or Zillow and you're looking at their different numbers or you're doing a mortgage calculator online, what you're going to see is just the P&I, which is the principal and interest. And so that's just your basic monthly payment. But how we calculate it on our end, so so we make sure that you can afford everything, is we have to also look into the taxes and insurance. So the P is principal, the I is interest, the T is taxes and the I is insurance. And what this means is we pull it all together. So we base off your property's taxes on in Washington, for example, it's by county. Um, mm-hmm. So in King County, it, it, it's based off of your value of your home and a percentage off of that home. In California, it's a little bit different. And so uh, we base those taxes off of that. And then insurance, we always kind of go around $80 a month. Um, and so what you can do is if you don't know, if you just see that mortgage calculator online and you're just getting the principal and interest, you can go online and say, hey, what is my, what would be my property taxes at this zip code? And mo- more than likely, you will be able to find something in the range and then just use um, for your homeowner's insurance around $80 a month. That's pretty much the average standard. That's a little bit higher. Mm -hmm. Um, And we always go a little bit more conservative because you never know what's going to come up or what you need coverage on. Yeah. And I I imagine the the whole taxes situation varies greatly between state to state. 
Exactly. Yes. It de- I mean, definitely. Yeah. I mean, because I mean, it, it, but that is that is that just uh, is that just the state side of the taxes on the property taxes? Yes, okay. just state side. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, at this point, I mean, we we we've heard a little bit about uh, those two. Uh, what what do you feel like is is maybe the next phase of of the mortgage process that we're that we might get into? So the next phase would probably be the loan to value, the LTV, um, and that's another one. So DTI and LTV are two that you'll see on on a bunch of advertising, um, a lot of radio ads and things like that. Um, so the LTV is the loan of value and that divides the amount of money borrowed by the appraised value of the home. Um, and so this pretty much just shows you what you're going to owe on the home. Um, and so your loan to value really depends on how much money you're putting down at the beginning. So this correlates directly with your down payment. So if you're putting 3%, then your loan to value is 97% on the, on the property. Um, if you are putting 20%, then your loan to value is 80%. Uh, so that is something that's a good number or that's a good acronym to know because this is something that's going to come up really early on in conversation, uh, especially when you start talking about down payment and what you can afford and what you can't. Sure. So you you mentioned something just there that um, is something that I think you might want to flesh out just a little bit more. And you you mentioned the word appraisal. So so what (laughs) what what is an appraisal for those people that may not know what that is? Of course. So an appraisal is the a an a value of your property. So what happens is an appraiser comes to the property that you are under contract on and they take they look at the square footage of your home, how many bedrooms, how many baths. Um, they're not looking at your furniture or anything, even though people love to think like, hey, I need to clean up my house for the appraiser. Mm-hmm. It's more about showing the amount of space that you have. And then also the neighborhood that you live in. So the appraiser comes to your place and then he looks at comparables in the area and he's able to look at your property compared to other properties that are on the market currently or are just sold in the past six months. And he comes up with a value for your property. So this appraiser, this appraisal goes two ways. So let's say that you're putting your house on the market an appraisal is used to be able to put your house on the market at the right price. Everyone thinks that their house is better than what, what it is. <laughs> so they're saying, wait, I can't sell this for a million dollars. What's going on? <laughs> uh, but the appraiser will definitely know best. Uh, you can always fight an appraisal as well. You can always say, hey, I really think that our, our house can be sold for 50 grand more. Um, and you can fight that with your real estate agent. So that's one part of the appraisal. Um, Another part is let's say you get under contract on a home. So you are the borrower in this, in this position and you're trying to buy this home and you, you are in the process of getting a mortgage An appraisal is needed for a mortgage. So we can know the, the amount of money that we can loan up to you. So let's say that you are, you put in a contract for a 500 grand home and the appraisal comes back at 550. 
that's actually a really great thing for you because you're walking into equity and you're the only one seeing this appraisal. No one else on the buying or selling side is seeing this unless mm. you allow your real estate agents to see it. So that's really good. Let's say that you are, it's the same 500 grand home, but the appraisal comes back a hundred grand lower. So 400 grand. That means that we can only loan you up to that value of the home. So let's say that your you are putting 20% down on the 500 grand home. Well, it actually changes to 20% down on a 400 grand home. So it, so an appraisal is a really important aspect, but if you live in a hot market like Seattle or like where you guys are living, where homes are coming on the market and people want to buy them, Texas is a huge market for a lot of investors, a lot of people moving in. Oh yeah. And so the, so your appraisal is definitely going to come in probably at the loan amount. I mean, at the, at the purchase price amount, um, or a little bit higher. Mm. So, um, that's, it's also good to realize what kind of market you're in. So you're not worried about the appraisal. So you, you mentioned something, uh, it, it, it back a little bit that you may not choose to show that appraisal to your real estate agent. It, was there any reason that you, you might want to, or not want to do that? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, it's completely up to you. So if you have questions about it and you want to fight the appraisal on the, if you're the borrower in this situation, mm -hmm. then you can show your appraisal to the, to the real estate agent you're working with. And you can say, Hey, I really want to fight this. I've been seeing other comparables in the marketplace and I see homes going for more and they have one less bathroom than ours. So I'm not really sure why they, they did it so low. Um, so they, so you can fight it on the borrower side as well. And that's when the real estate agent can come in because they know the market and they know the area really well and yeah. can pull comparables for you. Yeah. I, I mean, we, we ran into a similar situation with this, with this place where uh, they were the appraisal appraisor actually came back and said, I can't do comps on, on the property you want to buy. Uh, oh, wow. Which I mean, like, you know, at that point, the bank kind of goes, well, then we can't lend money because there's no other properties like that property and we're not willing to risk, you know. So then you get into like that whole situation, which was fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is, hey, but I just want to buy this house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you got the money. I want to use the money. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let me ask you this because I, I, I'm one of the things that you said is let's say the appraisal comes in a lot lower than what you have put on, you know, as, as far as um, you've bid on this house, so to speak. You put in an offer at this point. The offer may have already even been accepted, right? And most of the time, mm -hmm. you're not going to get an appraisal without an accepted offer. So Correct. you've got an accepted offer. And it's a five hundred five hundred thousand dollar house, and the appraiser is coming in at four hundred thousand. Mm -hmm. Does that mean that I should walk away from that home, or or is there some thought process behind? Um, well, it may be that um, that that house is still um, worth buying at that point. Yeah. So this actually gives you a lot of buying power. So what you should do is you can fight that appraisal, like I said before, but also you can go to the seller and say, Hey, the appraisal only came in at 400. You've overpriced this home. 
uh, I'm only willing to give you 400 for this home. So are you willing to go down a hundred grand in, in your value in your purchase price? And the conversation then comes and that's directly correlated with your real estate agent and the selling agent or listing agent in the situation. So they, so you, you are corresponding just with your real estate agent and they fight for you in that situation. Uh, if you did what I suggest to every Everyone is apart with the appraisal and another upfront fee in a mortgage is the inspection. And I always suggest never ever buy a home without doing an inspection because you want to know what you're fully buying and what you're getting into. So let's say this 400 grand home uh, or the 500 grand purchase price is coming in at 400 grand on the appraisal and you knew in the inspection that you might have to get a new roof then you could use that as buying power. Say, hey, I need 10 grand, 20 grand for the roof. Um, and that will will go into our loan amount. And so there are different ways, but if it comes in really that low and you were already kind of on the fence, then you can back out of that contract and get your full earnest money back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... so- it you know it's not it's not to say that you can't still buy that house it may not be prudent to do so because obviously you're paying so much more than what it, someone's saying it's worth and you're going to instantly right. you're instantly going to be in greater debt because now you can't offload that house if you need to uh, for exactly. what, for what you paid for it so there's that but the the other thing i heard you say is that it also you're not stuck just because you've made this offer. I guess it's, it's your protection for, for you to be able to say, listen, um, I'm, I'm over my head. You're over your head. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're no longer, you're not bound to that offer at that point. Not at all. No. Uh, and so, um, the magic number is 50 grand. So if it came, if the appraisal came in at 450, then we can still lend up to the value that we had on the purchase price, anything below 450. So if it came in at 449, then we would not be able to loan. We would only be able to loan up to the 449. So there are some stipulations to that. Um, So if your appraisal comes in lower, which for most people right now in a market like this, no matter where you're living, your appraisal will not come in lower. Uh, so it's not, it's definitely not something that anyone should be worried about, but it's definitely something that you should be educated on and know going forward. Hey, if the appraisal comes in lower, this is what you need to do. Hmm. Okay. it's good stuff. Well, let's, let's, let's go to the top of the list here and, and look at, uh, at APR. Yeah. Uh, so I know this is one you're, uh, you're talking about quite a bit these days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, APR is the annual percentage rate. Um, and it's your interest stated as a yearly rate. So let's say that you are locked in at 3.625, mm-hmm. uh, then your APR, it depends on the fees associated with your mortgage. So this is this is kind of where it gets a little bit tricky, uh, but I will just use a real life example of what I did today. So today I locked in a client at 3.625. Their APR came back at 3.675. And so that's their yearly interest rate 
That does not mean that their rate is at that point. That just means that because of the fees associated with it. So their fees were really minimal because they're doing a refinance. Okay. So their fees are just the underwriting and processing fee on our end and then the recording um, and the title and escrow fees. So because their APR uh, is so low, it means that their fees are low on that mortgage. Okay. Let's say it's a different situation and let's say that they did 3.65 and they paid for that rate. They paid a percentage of the loan amount for that rate. Their APR could be closer to... I'm kind of spitballing here, but 3.82% mm-hmm. roughly. Um, and that just means that they paid for a rate and it was a little bit of a higher fee up front. Now, is that, is that just over the course of one year or is that what it's going to be every year? If you are in a fixed rate, that is what it's going to be every single year. Okay. So what are, what are the, so you, you minute, you mentioned just there a fixed rate. So there's variable rates and there's fixed rates. What are the differences and what are the advantages or disadvantages? So the fixed rate mortgage is uh, very much your typical mortgage. So this is someone who's a first time home buyer or a move up buyer, and they kind of see their themselves in a, in a home for at least five to 10 years. And The fixed rate mortgage is just a stated term of your rate is not going to change for your term of the mortgage. So a typical term is 15 years or 30 years. We can do all everything in between that as well. Just depends on your situation and what you're comfortable paying. 15 year obviously is going to have a higher monthly payment. A 30 year fixed is typical for people because it's the lowest possible payment. Um, On the other end, it's called an ARM or adjustable rate mortgage. And this is something where your interest rates will change over time. So there's a couple different ARM programs. There's a five to one ARM, seven to one ARM and 10 to one ARM. What that means is your interest rate is fixed for five years, seven years, or 10 years. Okay. And then after that, your interest rate changes with the current market. So I actually have a, a an arm on my current property that I own, and it is a seven to one arm. And I did that because my interest rate was really, really low at, at that current time in the market. And it allowed me to have a really low monthly mortgage payment. But I also didn't see myself living here forever. So mm. I thought, okay, I can always refinance when the rates go low and I can go back to a seven to one arm, but that just kind of starts it over. Right. Or I can go to a 30 year fixed rate if the rates are better. Um, it gave me a little bit of flexibility in my, in my monthly payment. Right. And, and so, but with that, you're going to have the, when the market kicks in, I mean, cause like right now, I mean, from what I understand, rates are like really, really low. Yes. And so you're probably looking down the road in seven years going, it's probably not going to be this low in seven years. Right. It's really hard to tell. Uh, you, You can't predict obviously, but like, yeah. Yeah. But like you could predict um, at the end of this year, for example. So right now it would be really conducive to everyone 
to look to look into refinancing if you have a rate in the high fours or uh, high threes, mm-hmm. because the rate, the average rate is, it just came out today. It's 3.45%. Um, and that's average. So people are getting below that. People are getting a little bit above that. And that's, and it's really just a wonderful place to be. And just to give you an example, last year, the rate at this time was 4.25%. Yeah. So it is significantly lower. But as we know, there is an election at the end of this year. Yep. Uh, the coronavirus continues to wreak havoc across the nation and the world and the markets. And so you you could kind of look at it like, OK, right now mortgage rates might fall. But once the once the election comes, it's it's pretty historically accurate that every time there's an election, mortgage rates go up. Yeah. And so you just kind of know that. OK, so I know that that's coming up maybe I lock in a rate right now. Yeah. I mean, from what I understand that it's especially true if you end up with like a second term person who's, you know, you like, because they kind of know what's going to happen so that they know that their, their money's kind of safe so they can start charging more for, for that money. Um, Exactly. So, Yeah. And like the, I mean, like just so everybody knows that like while we're recording this, I mean like the market's been shellacked. Uh, I think it's like dropped, 10% 10% this week. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and, and so I, I mean, I don't know like historically what, uh, what the fed has done, but I would imagine when, when the market takes it, I mean, like from what I understand, when markets take a dive, they tend to lower rates in order to incentivize investment, but they don't really don't have much room or room to go unless we want to start getting in like Japan territory. Um, right. You know? Well, and, and it's, it's a little bit bizarre because I mean, you think about like when, when our parents were our age looking to buy a house when the rates were in the teens yes back then <laughs> yeah. i mean and so yeah. i mean you're you're looking at some of your your parents going why didn't you buy a house back then you know all you did was rent or you lived in an apartment or whatever and and you, you how did they possibly afford houses back then i mean i, I realized that the you know money was different as far as you know inflation all those sorts of things but things were relative yeah, I mean, money was relative at the same time. You well, know? and not not to be like not to turn this into a financial show. I mean, but I'm sure there's there's a big aspect to that. Um, you know, as you are paying interest, you are also you know typically earning interest. Mm-hmm. You know, right? And, and so the the rate at which you borrow is also the rate at which you can save. Sure. And so you know that was also when. You most people really encouraged everyone to have a savings account because you could earn thirteen percent on that account, uh, or in you know, and that's that's when we get started getting a lot of these averages on the market where people are like, oh, if you invest in your four hundred one k, you can get a guarantee of ten percent return, and da 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 da. Um, and but and a lot of people still operate on that information. That's just not actually accurate anymore right <laughs> right but uh so so yeah so it's it's it's, it's a two-way street honestly yeah um, it is but i i guess i guess my point in that um and and Haley, you can probably speak to this a little bit is just that these rates are unprecedented in on on yes. some level i mean i remember um back in 2009 when i bought my first house i mean the market was had just crashed and and rates were really low and we were really pumped because our rate was at 499 
uh, yeah. in, in 2009. And when we moved here in 17 and bought a house, it's at 399. Pretty pumped mm-hmm. about that because it's a whole point less than what it was uh, in our previous home. And now you're telling us it's another half point lower than that. It's just yeah. incredible. Yeah. I mean, that's $200 savings every month. That's huge. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to call you later. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, you should. I mean, seriously, it's a, it is an absolutely incredible market right now. And, uh, you know, we've been saying this for a while though. I shoot a lot of videos and I've been saying, Hey, it's a really great time to refinance. I've been saying that for the, the past eight months. And it's actually really true because rates just keep falling. So it's like, okay, my initial conversation was like, hey, if you're in the high fours or the the um, l- low fives, you have to refinance because mortgage rates are at 4.125 right now or whatever it was. And, and now it's just a whole different conversation. Guys, you can still save money. And the beauty of it, this is one thing that I don't have um, on the on the list to talk about, but um always ask your mortgage broker if they can do a no cost, no point loan. So if you are looking to refinance, you we can do this on our end at no cost to you. So we cover all the costs for you. You don't have to pay for a rate unless you really want a rate um, that you're looking at and you're like, that's what I want my monthly mortgage payment to be at. But we can cover those costs for you. And it opens the door to a whole nother conversation because you pretty much just have to send us your documents and you're good to go. No money at closing. And, and so what is what is no points then? So no points means that you're paying for a rate. So a point is a loan origination point. And that's essentially kind of, you could see it as commission for me um, on as a mortgage broker. So what I do typically is I say, hey, you can get a 3.625 for no points. So you're not paying for this rate. This is just something that's in with our lenders and we are able to pay this on our own and you guys don't have to pay for this. Um, and then I go down the list. I go, okay, but if you did want to pay for a rate, you could do let's say 3.45% and you have to pay half a point. So that's 0.5% of the loan amount. Um, And then I typically go down to about 1% depending on the person and the conversation I have just to show them that that's an option, uh, but definitely that they don't need to do that. Uh, It takes about, it depends on your situation, but it takes about two to three years to offset the cost of paying for a mortgage uh, up a mortgage rate up front. All right. Well, Haley, real quick, we need to take a second to recognize this episode's sponsor, Paul the Plumber. Paul the Plumber is has gotten to be a good friend of this show. Yeah. Because he does incredible work. I think yes, I, he does. I think I, was, I showed you that picture a while back of uh, one of his guys down in the ditch oh, at man. night. Getting, getting everything fixed up for that homeowner because they didn't have water in their house. I mean, you got to do what you got to do. I mean, when, when you don't have water, it's one of the it's one of the worst things in the world, right? Yeah. I mean, and, and, and okay, first world problem, right? <laughs> however, <laughs> however, I mean, we're, we're, we live in a world where that's normal. So, yeah. uh, you know, he can help you. Absolutely. Leaks, fixing, putting in new faucets and fixtures and fixing the toilet and drains not draining. 
get it all fixed. Oh, yeah. Paul is the man. All right. So if you guys need Paul, which I know you all do because you all, if you're listening to a podcast, I guarantee you have plumbing in your house. Uh, <laughs> I hope so. If you need to get a hold of Paul the plumber, you can reach Deborah in the office at 832-521-3252. Or you can email her at Deborah at PaulThePlumberLLC.com. And you don't need to know how to spell that because it's in the show notes. And you can also schedule them online by going to PaulThePlumberLLC.com. Thank you, Paul. Yep. And back to the show. All right, Haley, real quick. Not Well, probably not real quick. Um, so I was telling my wife that we were, we were having you back on, the, uh, back on the show, and she said, you need to talk to her because I want to I wanna refinance the house. And, nice. and she wants to do a 10-year. Yeah. Right? So my question then is, is there any advantage or disadvantage between the 30, the 15, the 10? interest rate wise or, you know, all these different options that we have now? Because I think you mentioned that the arm actually has a 10 year option. Yes, it does. So, okay. Was she talking about a 10 to one arm or was she talking about just a 10 year mortgage? 10 year mortgage. Okay. So a 10 year mortgage, that is definitely doable. You guys just have to be prepared for a higher mortgage monthly payment every month. So what it, what it can do is you could literally say, Hey, with this monthly mortgage payment, uh, we are going to be mortgage free in 10 years. Right. So that's the benefit. And I think it's definitely something to look into as far as mortgage rates, the 15 year and 10 year typically have lower mortgage rates Okay. because, because the numbers are so much higher and the, the monthly mortgage payments are so much higher. Uh, so that's definitely something that you should look into just to see the numbers and compare it to a 10, 15 and 30 year. Okay. So one of, one of the questions that I had that just popped up in my brain then is why wouldn't you go with a 15 year and just pay as if you were paying on a 10 year? Yeah, you can do that. It depends on where you live. So uh, you want to look into the prepayment penalties. And this is something that you have to ask your mortgage broker uh, that you're working with on because uh, in Washington state, you could get a 30 year fixed rate mortgage um, tomorrow and then next week pay it all back. And there's no prepayment penalty on that. In California, there are prepayment prepayment penalties for the first couple of years of owning a mortgage. The PPP. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know how Texas is, but it's, yeah. <laughs> that's that honestly, uh, sorry. Hey, leading country off. That's really what I no. thought you were going to tell me about your son's story earlier <laughs> off this, off the second and a half floor is it was going to be a ppp story no it was not no not this okay time. all right sorry sorry <laughs> Haley. back to no, you no, please <laughs> <laughs> yeah so just look into prepayment penalties because you can really in washington state you can pay back your mortgage whenever you want well, that's cool yeah why not fall and get a windfall of cash just unload the house <laughs> yeah yeah but at I, that point i mean you're you're getting a lower rate in case some crazy thing happened you know one month or whatever but then you're paying it down quicker because you're paying all to principal right exactly yes mm, i don't know much but i know that was a smart idea kevin <laughs> wow amazing <laughs> you must be a mortgage worker that's incredible uh, maybe in another life <laughs> <laughs> you get one a year buddy <laughs> 
<laughs> hey, I'll take what I get. <laughs> All right, so we we've done the uh, the APR, we've done the uh, the the ARM. We've, what was the other one? <laughs> the FRM. FRM. The fixed rate mortgage. We talked about that. All right. What what's next? What do we got, Kev? Uh, the next thing on the list um, is PMI. Oh man, I hate PMI. It's like my PMI. My, my worst enemy. Yeah. It's the devil. Yeah. <laughs> For some people, yes, but it's actually historically low right now. Uh, so well, and PMI. I, like, I, from what I understand, I mean, like PMI is like why we have access to so much money, right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay. I know yes. a little. I know a little. A little something. Yeah. You know a lot. <laughs> Um, so PMI is private mortgage insurance and this is something this is a conversation you'll have if you plan on putting less than 20% down on a home that you're purchasing so this means that you will have an added fee on top of your monthly PITI that we talked about earlier Uh, so if you want to know what that is just rewind the show yeah, because yeah. we're not going through it again. No, we are not. <laughs> That'd be the worst. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so that just that is typically uh, what first time home buyers look at. Uh, obviously, the more you put down, um, if it's still less than 20 percent, if you put 18 percent down, your PMI is going to be a lot lower. But as I said, just a second ago, it is historically low. Uh, it used to be in the 250s to 300s just a couple years ago, and now it's anywhere between 100 to 175, de- depending on the area and obviously your situation. Hmm. Okay, so um, may- maybe I'm just I just blanked for a minute, but. Um, as you're sitting there talking, I mean, the, the thing that makes me frustrated is because like, it, it seems to me as if uh, PMI is insurance. I mean, it, it's basically saying if you default on your loan, then PMI is going to kick in and make sure that the bank doesn't lose their their money, basically. Is that is that right? Kind of, yes. So it's definitely so... Putting less than 20% down on a home makes it more of a uh, more of a risk for a lender. Uh, so that's why it's an added fee on top. So in some ways, yes, you're correct. It is insurance that protects the lenders. Um, and what you can do, though, is so what I'm seeing a lot in this market is people will come in uh, first time home buyer or just second time, third time, and they don't have the 20%, but they put in, let's say they put in 15%. What can happen is you put 15% in, you get that PMI, uh, but in a market like Seattle, because your um, appreciation of your home will probably go up uh, very quickly, you can refinance and get that PMI off pretty soon, within six months to a year. Uh, so it's just based off the value increase that you exactly. created in the home. Okay. Yes, and so I always say, I always tell people, uh, in a market like this your appreciation is going to go up because there's not enough inventory on the market. So people are going to look for homes and that just means that they're willing to pay for homes. Mm. And so 
that means values are going to go up and home prices are going to go up, which is not great for home buyers at all, but it's great for people who are who are owning a home right now right. and want to get PMI off, for example. Yeah. So un- unfortunately, my next door neighbor is moving. They Their house went on the market today. I'm not very happy about it. No, no, this is actually the guy on the other side. We we like them a lot. And uh, they, um, it, it's crazy. That, and they got a really good deal on their home. Um, they already sold it. No, when they bought it. Oh, when they, when bought, they it. bought it. They I got a you. really good deal on their home. Um, but they've lived there for six years. And they are listing it for $119,000 more than they bought it for. Wow. wow. And, and and really the amount of money that they put into it has been has been negligible um in comparison to that amount. And so, you know, I I'm looking at that going, all right. That's <laughs> yeah. that's good news for me cuz yeah. I live next door. Yeah, you just need you to know? sell for that now. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, I you know, I I know that I know that that it's one of those deals where where you look at it and go, "Oh my goodness, this is an an extra fee that I'm having to pay every month and I'm I'm responsible. I'm going to pay my mortgage every month." But but the bank doesn't know that. The bank doesn't know whether or not you you've got any type of job security or whether or not, you know, the bottom's going to fall out of the market or whatever is going to happen and all of a sudden you're you're in a really difficult place. But right. To your point, it, it sounds like you know if your if your home is appreciating, you're paying your mortgage every year, every month, and eventually everything's going to even out, and you're going to wind up getting all that money back anyway. Exactly, and also this is just a good transition actually into a HELOC, um, and that kind of conversation of owning owning property allows you to build equity and build your wealth over time and i think that's that is the safety net of owning real estate as opposed to putting your money into the stock market obviously everyone is really hurting right now um but the stock market goes up and down all the time in terms of um in terms of owning property owning property is never going to be a bad investment because it's in high demand and people need it, especially in high um, income areas, especially in high um, high population, like high density areas, yeah. because there's not any more land to build on uh, and it's really expensive to build. So if you own property, this is a really good thing. And so what I was talking about on a HELOC, that's another of these acronyms. It's a home equity line of credit. So say that you get underwater, you lose your job or you are just in too much debt and things are happening. What you can do is tap into the equity in your home and have a line of credit that allows you to pull. It's kind of like a your own savings account, but you can actually pull the money out and use it um, as opposed to you can look at your home as a savings account. But it's all it's not liquid cash. Right. A HELOC is liquid cash that you can use to kind of be your safety net. And you can pull out a HELOC at any time if you have worries or if you are just like, you know what? I want to have that safety net and I want to use that equity in my home. You could have a HELOC right now and let it sit and you don't ever have to draw from it. Hmm. But the moment you draw from it is when you get charged interest. OK. Mm. OK. And is that is that a most do HELOCs operate like on a variable interest or how does that work? Uh, no. So it's, it's typically a fixed, fixed rate on the HELOC. 
So uh, this this makes me think of something, and, and again, this is my ignorance playing out here. But so so we've talked about um, refinancing, and we've talked about a HELOC, and I yeah. hear people talk about, um, oh, well, I, I took out a second and a third mortgage on my house, so I'm I'm in this place right now. What does that even mean? Yeah, so a second or third mortgage, they wanted to pull the equity out for either to use to get cash uh, to, you know, renovate their property or pay off some debts or things like that. Um, I never suggest to anyone to add another mortgage onto a property. I always say look into a HELOC first or a cash out refinance, which is essentially the same thing. Um, but a cash out refinance is typically a little bit better of a way to go because you're not charged interest on it. You're just given that cash um, and at closing. So it's, it is definitely a conversation to have. Um, and these second and third mortgages on properties, I typically see them with people who are investing in real estate um, and hopefully using that money for good. <laughs> yeah, because, because I, I mean, I think a lot of people that wind up doing that is because they are in a financial bind. Um, right. And so they're, they're needing some money. But it sounds to me like... Um, I mean, it really, a lot of this goes into the length of home ownership. I think that the earlier you can own a home, um, it really sets you up for not having to, even if you get into a financial bind, the earlier in life you have a home, the more equity you're going to have into it because you can pour that equity into your next home and your next home and your next home. And mm -hmm. eventually, if you wind up in a financial bind, then a HELOC really, really makes sense. Right. Exactly. All right. Well, uh, let's let's talk about one that we haven't uh, talked about yet, and that is uh, the UPB. Yeah. So uh, the UPB is uh, it's one of the ones that you should know, but it's definitely not going to come up a ton. Um, we'll just kind of say it. it's unpaid. Uh, sorry, unpaid principal balance, um, and. Uh, the unpaid principal balance, the definition is the amount of principal still owed on a loan. So on a typical monthly mortgage payment, a portion of your payment is applied to the interest and a portion is applied to the principal. Um, and the following month's interest is based off of your unpaid principal balance. So you have a fixed mortgage rate um, and you pay typically the principal is way less than the interest that you're paying on your uh, monthly mortgage payments. Um, and so that's what the unpaid balance is. Okay. All right. Why would that come up? It would come up just if you wanted to understand your amortization schedule and kind of where, where your monthly payments are going to go over the life of the loan. Oh, okay. All right. Cool. Um, well, let, let's keep moving forward here. Uh, so the next one I see on your list is FSBO. Yes. So FSBO is for sale by owner. Uh, so you'll see this on Zillow. You'll see this on Redfin. Uh, and this is definitely a situation where maybe the person is really confident in themselves <laughs> or... <laughs> Or they're real estate agents and they just kind of know the market and they're like, hey, I'm not going to 
spend any fees. This actually is a lot is really affordable for both parties uh, because you are taking half of that commission out of the picture. Mm. So it's definitely something you should look for, especially if you're looking for a good deal on a home. Okay. Is there is there any reason I should be wary or leery about an FSBO? Um, you just have to make sure that all uh, the entire sale works with federal, state, and local regulations because things are there are a lot of things that need to happen for title to be transferred into your name. And so you need to, I would always suggest to people to work with a real estate agent so they make sure that the sale goes through correctly. Yeah, because uh, so... I mean, um, typically a, a real estate agent is going to make 6% right now on, on the sale of a home. Is that, is that about right? Uh, really depends. It, yes, but it's typically around three to 6%. Yeah. So, it, you know, part of that is half and half. So, um, you, you're never really paying, I mean, de- depending on how it's all set up, I mean, uh, sometimes the, the seller pays all of that. Sometimes the buyer pays some of it, I guess. Uh, but, but at the end of the day, um, when you don't have a, a, an agent fee, then you're paying less for the overall value of that home. So, um, FSBO seems like a, like a good choice. Um, yeah. if, it's, if it's an option and, uh, it is. so, all right, cool. Anything there, Craig? No, I'm, I, yeah, I'm scared of selling my house by myself. Yeah, I would, <laughs> yeah. well, I it would, would be a big job. <laughs> I, I would too if I lived in your house. As if I didn't feel incompetent enough already. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, th- I guess that's part of the deal, though, right? Is like, I mean, selling or buying a house is probably the most major expense you will ever have, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. and and it in because of that. I mean, we're we're talking not about thousands of dollars or even ten, tens of thousands of dollars. Typically, it's hundreds of thousands of dollars, and um, when, when that's the case, I mean, you really need someone who's on their game, knows more than you do. And we we pay for things all the time. We 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 just ran an ad for our friend Paul the plumber. There's a reason yeah. you don't do your own plumbing. It's because you're going to yeah. screw something up and pay for it in the end, right? Um, right. No pun intended with a plumber. Um, <laughs> but you know, I, I mean, I think that, uh, this is kind of one of those deals where it's like, you know, you get what you pay for in a lot of, in a lot of ways, the ease, uh, that you're going through, let, let other people do the work for you. So, right. um, the next thing we got on the list, uh, here is the GFE. Yeah. So this is one of the documents you're going to get when w- you are under contract for your home. So one of the steps is a, is the disclosures that we have to send you as mortgage brokers. Um, and this just kind of outlines for you what you're paying for, what your mortgage term is going to look like. Um, and that we are, uh, we are fully compliant with you and being, and you are able to afford this home. Um, so the GFE it's, uh, the good faith estimate. Um, and I will just tell you what the, what the definition is. It's, a document that tells the borrowers the approximate cost they'll pay at or before closing based on common local real estate practices. So it's just, we say, Hey, this is your good faith estimate. This is what the rate is that you're paying. Um, And 
<clears throat> how your loan will amortize over time. Um, and if you see anything that doesn't make sense, then that's your opportunity to say, hey, we need to change this. What is this number? Um, and it's really just giving you an overview of your mortgage. Yeah. Yeah. So it's basically saying, hey, we think this is about what it's going to cost in order to make this deal go through, right? Exactly. Yes. Okay. When, when does this particular piece of paper hit the table for the buyer or seller? So it's three days after we lock your loan. So within three days of locking your loan. So uh, there are time limits on our end um, of when we have to disclose everything to the borrower. Mm. So once you're locked in, we have three days to get you all these disclosures and the GFE is part of that. Okay. But you can, you can, <clears throat> excuse me, you can sign those digitally, right? I mean, you can send it yes. to Yes. Oh, DocuSign is my best friend. Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> oh, Yeah. I'm, I mean, DocuSign's awesome. Yeah. It is incredible. I yeah. love it. So, okay. What's DocuSign? <laughs> <laughs> Since we went there, what is it? It's a, it's an, I, mean, I guess it's just a web application that um, allows us to send you documents that need to be e-signed and dated by you. So it's, pretty incredible um so we do have some lenders that prefer a wet signature like on a 4506t which is your tax returns um but uh everything else can be e-signed and so it makes it really easy for the borrower and DocuSign, you'll love it because it's the best yeah and one of the things great about whenever we bought our house uh just a couple of years ago is that uh, you know, my wife and I were buying this house together, right? I mean, it's in both of our names, not just one of our names. I'm and glad so to we, hear that now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I hear you guys patch things. Yeah, up. I am too. It, makes, it warms my heart and gives me more buying power. So, um, uh, so you know, the, the thing that's great is you know we didn't have to be in the same place because it just emails you whenever it's your turn to sign the document and um you don't have to be in the same place at the same time it just it makes life so much more uh, easy whenever it comes to signing documents yes so. i completely agree all right i think uh, i just start randomly sending documents to people to docusign <laughs> I, okay good luck just like you know like little like you know, i don't know just documents. F philosophical statements <laughs> documents. that people should agree with. <laughs> philosophical. Okay. There, there's a couple of assumptions here. One of them is that you have anything philosophical to say, right? Uh -huh, right. Okay. And secondly, that anyone would agree with them. You're right. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. But if I can get them to, uh, I want to have that, I want to have that digital reference. You know, maybe I could like start sending them to like randomly to like celebrities just to see that I have... <laughs> Some, some clout just just sign this and say that you agree okay uh, Haley is probably the closest thing to a celebrity that you know other than pirate all right I'm gonna, well no. I'll, send, I'll send it to both of them okay. I have like two friends you guys <laughs> okay well we know that's not true so okay we'll just keep on talking here all right the next thing on our list um is the ECOA Yes, uh, this one's super quick. Uh, this is just something so you should know. Um, the ECOA is the Equal Credit Opportunity Act, um, and it is a federal law that requires all lenders and other creditors to make credit equally available without discrimination based on race, color, religion, national origin, age, sex, marital status, and receipt of income from public assistance programs. Um, this is just something that 
we're we're not going to discriminate against you. This is all based off of the numbers and your equity. Okay, yeah. it's just saying that that's all they can go off of. It, yes, yeah. exactly. It, it's a protection. It is. Yeah, that's what it is. I mean, it's it's saying, listen, we don't care who you are, where you came from, what you look like. Everybody should be available to get a loan, and none of that's going to matter to us. Right. Okay. Exactly. Cool. America. 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 <laughs> yeah. Well, if amazing. It, if it was only that easy, right? <laughs> if it was only yeah. that easy. All right. Um, the next one on the list, and, and this is going to complete and round out our um, our acronyms, and that is the FHA. Yes, the FHA it is the Department of Housing and Urban Development, um, and it's part of that federal agency. Um, and the FHA is something that you'll see if you are a first-time home buyer, um, but it can also be applied to someone who's already owned a home but doesn't currently anymore. Um, so hmm. the FHA uh, just allows you to come in with a lower down payment, so 3.5%, and they're a little bit more lax on your credit history history um because first-time homebuyers they're typically they don't have enough credit um to really build up and have a good credit score um and also based off of they're a little bit more lax on your assets um and the liabilities so it just kind of gives first-time homebuyers a break um and it's called an FHA loan, um, and it opens up the doors for people um, that could otherwise not be able to afford it um, based off of their credit. Yeah, and really the, the, the two biggies there are the, this is your credit score and the amount that you have to put down. Is the exactly. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So, I mean, like if it's not an FHA loan, like you're getting like a standard home loan, what, what, how much do you typically have to have together to put down? So it depends on who you're working with. We have programs um, that are as low as 3% down. And then in Washington state, we have programs that are first time home buyer assistant programs. Mm -hmm. um, and you can put as little as 1% down, Whoa. but you have to do, yeah, it's a, uh, it's really actually pretty great for people um, that don't have a lot of income, um, but they have to do a lot of classes and they okay. have to kind of, they have to really fit into a specific box okay. um, to be able to afford that. So that's pretty incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is really cool. And, so that's, and that's um, a state sponsored program, right? That is a state sponsored program. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. Well, and, and so I guess that, that, is a natural point for us to talk about conventional loans. Then we've talked about uh, FHA. Uh, let's talk about conventional loans for a minute. Yes. Yeah, so a conventional loan is uh, the definition is a loan that's not guaranteed or insured by a government agency. So this is just a typical loan that someone's going to get on a mortgage. And we have lender partners that are not a government agency um, that can lend us the money to allow you to own that home. Okay. All right. And, and, and I guess a lot of times people that have owned a home before uh, for and, and have some equity in a home uh, that you're going to hopefully put into another home, that's the type of person who's probably more inclined to go with a, a conventional loan rather than a first-time home buyer, for example. 
Exactly. Conventional loans also have the best rate options. So what we were talking about earlier with the fixed rate and the ARM loans, those are typically conventional loans. They can also be FHA, but typically conventional. Um, and those are the best rates available on the market. Mm, okay. Have you, uh, have you originated any loans for tiny houses? For tiny houses? No, but there's like a whole community right near where I live. Is there really? A tiny home community. Now, are are yeah. they on wheels or are they permanent fixtures? They are on wheels okay. in that particular one, but there are permanent fixtures in and around Seattle. Okay. Could you though? Could I do a loan on tiny home? Yeah. Heck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's mini. It's tiny. Yeah, no, they're awesome. <laughs> they are. There's actually, hey. there's, a, there's a tiny home dealership not far from here and like they, that you can go like tour their models. And I think there's like actually two or three different. Yeah, I was going to say there, there's, there's a couple of them. There, there's one down on 45 and there's yeah. one here on 105. They're getting more and more popular. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. Yeah. Uh, what's interesting though, is the one over here that's kind of close to where we live some of those homes are not so tiny. Yeah, no, they're, <laughs> they're like those are those are like mid-size, mid-size, <laughs> middies. <laughs> they're middies, 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 middies mini. Yes, it's a, a midi. Oh man, I hadn't made middies. It's a whole different type of thing, right? Like, okay, we're, we're we're starting to get into other acronyms. That is right. <laughs> MP3, CD, all these oh, you're geek computer talk. Exactly. Um, <laughs> All right, so we do have a couple that we want to want to get through um, before we're done here with you. Uh, let's talk about uh, amortization. We talked about this a moment ago. You were talking about it, but help us understand what amortization means. Yeah, so it is the process of how you pay off the loan. So amortization is just the schedule of your monthly mortgage payments. So as your principal balance goes down, your monthly mortgage payments are going to change. Um, if you are on a fixed rate, then your rate is obviously not going to change. If you're on an arm, that's kind of where it gets to, okay, how is my, if you're on a seven to one arm, how is my, how are my monthly mortgage payments going to look when I get to that eighth year and I'm out of that, that fixed rate time. Mm. So it's really just a schedule of what your monthly mortgage payments are going to look like over the life of the loan. And it gives you a good idea of, okay, you know, I kind of, I feel like I'm going to get a raise in a couple of years at my job, or I'm going to make a move and I'm going to start my own company. And there, it gives you a really good look of the life of your mortgage um, and helps you understand and map out your future a little bit. Yeah. Okay. And, and, and this is, this is true of, of any loan, not just a home loan. This is true of an auto loan. Yeah. Um, those sorts of things. Correct. Yes, of course. Okay. You should always see your amortization schedule. And there's an app for that. Yes, there is. <laughs> there's um, an app for everything. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so the next word that we're going to discuss is, is fun for me because I, I think uh, w when we talk about this in, in terms of, uh, mortgages and, and homeownership, that kind of thing. Uh, the word is, is default. Like we default mm -hmm. on a loan. Right. But, yeah. uh, and, and so we're going to talk about that, but I, but I'm from, I'm from the South Haley and <laughs> most of the time we say default. Default. Like, like <laughs> my, my default position is, you know, like relaxed or whatever. Right. But, <laughs> but I, cause I normally wouldn't say my default position. That's how I, cause I'm from the South, but uh, <laughs> I, anytime I've heard this in 
in conversation on a loan, it's always default. They defaulted on the loan, not they defaulted mm-hmm. on the loan. <laughs> so anyway, the, what do you think, Craig? I've had family say it that way. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but well, we're, we're not going to get into that. I was about to say something. <laughs> I was about to say something that I might regret. To, to me, so, the real test is pecan. Pe- oh, pecan? No. Oh. You can't say it like that. No, pecan. I can't. I, I never have. How do you say it, Haley? Pecan. Pe- pecan. What? Oh. Pecan. I don't know. Pe- now I'm nervous. Pe- <laughs> a, pe- a pecan. I regret everything. <laughs> I don't know. Do I even eat pecans? Pecans. No, there's, she just did it. She said it's pecan. Pe- pecan yeah. is what pecan. she said. Yeah, it's it's a pecan, okay. And, 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 and so, so we I mean, we're Mr. from Texas. Judgy pants over here. We're, we're from Texas, right? <laughs> what, Craig, what is our state tree? Our state? I have no idea. It's what? a pecan tree. Is it? Absolutely, it is. I thought it was mesquite. Oh Come my on, goodness! Craig. No, Craig. Okay, we're not going to get into how dumb Craig is here. So, um, <laughs> do you even know what the state bird is? Mm, Mockingjay. Mocking- <laughs> nice. Dude, I want to rewatch wait, that movie. Wait, wait, this isn't the Hunger Games. It should be. Uh, it's a mockingbird. Mockingbird. Okay, all right. Or like, we don't have to, you know, like, we don't have to burn him at the stake or anything. Uh, I was yes. really just seeing if you would notice. Oh man, I noticed. <laughs> I know it's a good thing I backed away from the uh, microphone because I was laughing quite loudly. <laughs> oh man, that's good stuff. All right, Haley, we've derailed long enough. This turned into my quiz on Texas facts and <laughs> history. <laughs> you failed, by the way. Uh, all right, Haley, uh, default. Yes. Okay. Default. So I kind of want to throw this in with um, a couple of the other ones we have. Um, So default is just a failure of you to make your mortgage payments on a timely basis. So um, it depends on how often you're missing your your payments um, and how consecutively. Um, But it is a really severe um, severe thing that happens if you don't pay your monthly mortgage payment. Um, and this also falls in the line with delinquency. Um, it's a little delinquency is a little less severe than default. Um, and then, and then really what happens is it's kind of like delinquency. They're not making their payments. And then default is when it's like a consecutive amount of time that you're not making your monthly mortgage payments. Um, and then after default comes foreclosure, which we kind of all know about because of 2008. Um, and that is just a really hard time for people. Um, what's, What's great is if you can find a private money lender um, around your area and you are facing foreclosure, they might be able to help you um, not be foreclosed on because a foreclosure on your credit report lasts for 10 years and it's a major hit on your credit. So it's something that you really want to avoid at all costs. Um, But if you have to go into foreclosure and it is going to help you in the end, then, then go through with that. But private money lenders, they typically have a pool of money and they can come in and bail you out essentially okay there you All go right. excellent so um the, the, real quick real quick you yeah. said the, the the foreclosure sticks with you to for seven years yes and, on your credit report yeah is mm-hmm. that is that also true with the bankruptcy yeah uh bankruptcy is 10 years 10 years okay all right. I knew there was and, and both of them are like severe credit hits as far as yes. like, like on your credit score yes okay 
All right. Well, the next thing we've got on our list here is discount point. Yes. Yeah, so this is just another fancy way of saying a loan origination fee. Um, so what I was talking about earlier, if you want to pay for a rate, uh, then then you do a discount point. Okay. All right. So we've already kind of covered that a little bit. Yeah. Um, so so the only last two things we've got here are pre-approval and pre-qualification. Yes. And I feel like Craig and I talked about this last time. It is such a misnomer and it's so confusing even. So, uh, yeah, Kevin, if you just listen to the show, <laughs> oh, yeah, I yeah, listen. Right. Come on. <laughs> 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 uh, my, so I'm training my brother right now, actually up here in Washington and he is getting so confused with the pre-qualification and pre-approval. And he's literally training to become a mortgage broker. So so a pre-qualification is not is it's informal. It and that's the easiest way to say that. A pre-qualification is something like Craig calls me up and says, Hey Haley, I want to do a refinance. These are kind of the numbers. This is the value of my home. Uh, this is kind of where my assets are. This is where my liabilities are. This is where I think my credit is. And it's all just like estimates because we all don't know what we have exactly in the bank right now. If you do, you're amazing. Tell me how. Um, and um, Or we don't know our, our current credit because no one gets their credit pulled for just any reason. Um, and we just kind of know estimates. And so that's just the conversation to see, okay, based off of our conversation, you definitely can qualify for a mortgage, but I have to make sure. So what you really want and what all of your real estate agents, whoever you work with will want is a pre-approval. And this is where I come to you and I'm saying, okay, we've had that initial conversation, but I need two years tax returns, two years W-2s, your last two pay stubs, your last two bank statements, um, any mortgages, anything that, um, or your landlord information and your lease, anything that you're paying monthly. So we can see this is your full picture. We pull your credit, we look at your liabilities and we know, okay, he can for sure be approved for a mortgage and we have documentation to back that up. So the pre-approval is really the most important aspect and that's what you should always ask for moving forward in the mortgage process. And what happens is after you send your documentation to a mortgage broker or mortgage banker, they look through all the documentation and they issue you a pre-approval letter based off of your loan amount and your purchase price and a rough estimate of where rates are that day. And then you get to go shopping for homes. So you want that pre-approval letter and then you get to go do the fun part. Okay. So, so basically uh, pre-qualifications is me just calling you up and saying, Hey, do you think I can get a loan? And you're yeah. gonna and you're gonna tell me, yeah, I, I think you can get a loan. Um, now, <laughs> in order for that to actually be true, we're gonna have to go through a pre pre approval process, and that is gonna be the thing that your real estate agent really needs, so that they can have an idea. I mean, you're saying, hey, I want to live in this neighborhood, and they're going, uh, great. You're really going to yeah. need to show me a, a pre-approval because that is a really nice neighborhood. Um, but if you have that letter, then it's it's really easy. They they know. Um, what you can afford and what you can't afford. Um, and the pre-qualification is just kind of a me and you chat and saying, hey, can this happen? Yeah, it can happen. Well, that's what buyers ask for all the time, too. They want to see your pre-approval. 
Yeah. You know, they want to know that they want to, because and this has happened, I mean, over and over and over. And it's happened to us where uh, we get into a situation and the buyer's been burned. They've been burned by someone who comes in and said, we're going to buy your house. And they get through the loan process and somewhere the, the loan falls apart because they didn't actually have what they said they had. And the buyer's right. taking the house off the market and they've lost weeks or months, uh, hopefully not months, but you know, <laughs> definitely weeks worth of, you know, people coming to look for their, for their house. And it's been on the market. It's just a, it's a mess, right? Right. Exactly. Yeah. And you always want, it's not, it's not a fun process because we have to really dive deep into your financial history um, and where you currently are. But if you can go in with that knowledge and power moving forward, you're going to make the best decision for your future because buying a home is a really fun, stressful, overwhelming <laughs> situation. But if you can go in really well educated, like this is what I can afford and over, you know, the 30 years of the loan or 10 years or whatever, I'm going to be able to pay this off and I'm going to be okay. Uh, because if you go in there and you just start looking at million dollar homes and you're like, well, this looks nice. <laughs> sign me yeah, up. I'll, I'll uh, take it. <laughs> sure. And, I, yeah, and yeah. I think there's another part of that, Haley. And that's like, like there's people out there that are, they're living in an apartment. They're paying twelve, thirteen hundred dollars $1,300 a month. And yeah. someone's telling them, listen, I pay less than that on a mortgage. There's no way. I mean, there's, there's no reason for you to be living in an apartment because you're throwing that money away every month. It's not going to any equity. I'm building equity over here, but just because you're paying $1,200, $1,300 a month, on an apartment doesn't mean that you can qualify for a loan. Correct. Right. Yeah, exactly. And so I I think, I think people need to be, need to be aware of that. Like people that are out there living in apartments, they're, they're not necessarily, you know, just trying to throw their money away. They, there's something else going on in their life. It could be a mass amount of debt. Um, that's just looming over them that they can't, they can't get into something different. Yeah. They can afford to live in the apartment, but I mean, it's not affordability sometimes. It's it's whether or not someone's going to take the risk and give you a mortgage. Exactly. I'm right. actually wondering if anyone in your neck of the woods, Haley, is paying $1,300 a month for anything. <laughs> no. <laughs> that, that would be literally a dream. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I realize that, that that's very, <laughs> that's for location-based, isn't it? Yeah, it is. <laughs> I mean, like, and that's actually pretty high for here, too. I mean, like, oh, yeah. there's, there's, I mean, like, there's some apartment complexes around here where you're paying sub a thousand bucks a month. Absolutely. I mean, they're not great, but I mean, like, you can, you can live there. Yeah, more than one bedroom, even. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. How about that? Haley? Yeah. Wow. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I mean, can't, I can't stop it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, we literally, uh, I, I know someone who's in a four bedroom apartment. Uh, they're paying roughly fourteen, fifteen hundred dollars a month for that four yeah. bedroom. So I mean, it's like 2,200 square feet, <laughs> which is incredible. Yeah. Which is incredible. When well, I tell you, that's all they're building here right now. Oh yeah. It's nothing but apartments. Yeah. Yeah. It's Yeah. They're going up. Well, everyone's moving to Texas. Well, move on over. <laughs> well, yeah, hey. Which is, I mean, like that's good and bad, right? But like, it's yeah. it's kind of weird because it, there's gonna be. You have to imagine there's gonna be a glut in in all of this, and we're gonna end up with some like really shabby properties mm-hmm. that aren't gonna be well taken care of because they're not gonna be able to keep them full. Right. Right. Um, so it's you know. It, I'm just kind of waiting for like that other shoe to drop. You know, yeah. it's like when when is when is this too many? <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, well, that's when affordable housing needs to come into play. Um, but 
that is a whole nother issue that Seattle's facing right now. We've also seen that they just kept building and building these massive, gorgeous apartments right. um, all across downtown and all of them are vacant. Really? Like they, they do not have a full vacancy. I mean, a full, um, full tenant on, on it. And it's, it's all over and they continue to build, but no one can afford it. And <laughs> so it just keeps going and we're just circling around. And now Amazon's expanding into the Bellevue area, which is kind of um, on the East side of the Seattle Metro area. Okay. And, and they're going to do the same thing over there and it's even yes. more expensive there. Well, yeah, especially now that they know that they're going there. Right. So, mm. Well, uh, Haley, listen, this has been, you know, I, I'm sure there are people that are still with us that are going, man, that was, <laughs> that was a lot. I mean, that was heavy. A lot. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I, I do, I do know that we have given out a lot of information today. And the cool thing is they didn't pay a dime for it. That's right. Yeah. So, which is pretty awesome. I mean, it's a lot of information. It's a lot to wade through. Um, I'm, I'm sure some people turned this off and came back to it. Uh, but thanks for sticking with us. Um, we, Haley, we've already gone through the final four with you. So I don't think it's um, important to do that again, unless any of your answers have changed. No, I don't think they have. I think it's pretty much the same. Well, but we we can we can bring to the audience that that you've had some some pretty big life events happen since last time when you were on the show. Right? Yes, I have. Yeah, yes. What, 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 give it. So tell tell us what tell everyone what happened. <laughs> yeah, uh, I am newly engaged. And <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I've been with my well now fiance for three years, and it was kind of it's been a relationship where we knew from the start, so it's been easy and fun. And he lives with me; he owns this house with me, and we have a lot of fun together. That's awesome. So our life is pretty incredible. Yeah, I'm very lucky. We're excited Thank for you. you. You have the the full blessing of the homeowner show. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know you. that that's you know he didn't he didn't call us and ask us permission, and I I am well I know that's what I'm saying I mean I I Postcard feel like even. I'm I'm fine if he still does that even and we can give him like some you know post engagement you know advice even I don't know uh, just yeah. to, you know some twenty questions would be good um, perfect he would love that yeah so uh, well well Haley listen thank you so very much we always love having you on the show thank you for taking the time to walk us through all these things and and I promise uh, people uh, this is not the last time you will hear her wonderful voice on our podcast <laughs> because she is a, a huge supporter of what we do here and we we love you and we thank you for that and um, is there is there anything we we missed? No, not at all. But I love you guys too. And it's been so wonderful. And thank you so much for having me on. Thank you, Haley. Guys, if you have not yet, please go leave us a review. Tell us how awesome the episode was today. Or, you know, maybe not. Maybe you're like that that one guy out there that just likes giving the one star. And that's fine too. There's there's there's, there's room in the in the potosphere. <laughs> The, the the podcast landscape for you too. That's so, right. <laughs> That's right. So, but yeah, if you guys could, you know, send all the likes and the and the love and the reviews, uh, it really helps the show out. Helps get the name out there. Share the episodes. And uh, yeah, I think I think that's it, Kev. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for thanks for subscribing. If you haven't already, go ahead and do it. Leave us a review. Do all that kind of stuff. 
And, uh, you know, we're here every Tuesday. So thanks for sticking with us. Until then, we'll see you next time. See you.